What about all-cause mortality when it comes to scientific studies on heart disease? So imagine I tell you that I designed a new seatbelt, right? You are like, oh, cool. What does the new seatbelt do? I'm like, oh, well, it's super awesome. It's this amazing seatbelt. We've done some studies on it, you know, a couple of basic studies. We had 4,000 people try it versus 4,000 who used a normal seatbelt. Few of them got into a car accident on either side, let's say 1,000 on each side over five years. And the new seatbelt actually reduced the risk of brain injury, traumatic chest injury, what have you, you know, all this like stuff related to car accidents and car injuries. And then you look at me and you're like, oh, wow. That's really cool, but does it reduce the risk of you dying from gunshot wounds? And I look at you back and I'm staring at you and I'm like, wait, what? What? How? How? Like, what do you? I just was, I was talking about a seatbelt. You're asking me about like, how would a seatbelt prevent gunshot wounds? Sure. Like maybe if the seatbelt was made out of titanium or included a, bulletproof vest of some sort and somebody tried to shoot you through the front window facing forward and the belt prevented the gunshot wound yeah that could uh kind of work but you realize like how absurd that is right like if i'm telling you i designed a seatbelt to help people survive car accidents or not get as injured and you're like but will it improve your risk of dying in a plane crash or Will it improve your risk of drowning? Will it improve your risk of not dying from food poisoning or pneumonia? Like that is just literally insane. But this is the kind of nonsense that you deal with online when you post a study showing that, for example, statin medications or a stent reduces the risk of dying of a heart attack. They're like, but what about the, the risk of dying of getting hit by a truck? Like literally that's what they're asking. When I'm like, yeah, you know, statin reduces risk of heart attacks or strokes, first heart attacks or strokes, whatever, 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 by 15%, 20%, 30%, this, 40%, that. And they're like, yeah, but what about getting hit by a truck? Does it reduce the risk of that, dying from getting hit by a truck? Like that's all-cause mortality. All-cause mortality means the risk of dying of any cause. Now, yes, there are absolutely studies that show that Taking statin medications, reducing your LDL, reducing saturated fat, you know, whatever it might be, will reduce all-cause mortality. But the problem is, why are we why are we even looking at that in studies about cardiovascular outcomes? So there was this brilliant article published, um, I forget if it was the American Heart Association or Circulation. Well, I mean, Circulation is the American Heart Association, but it was published in one of these like, you know, fantastic journals, and I'll bring it, I'll bring it up in a second here. Um, but I think it was circulation. Give me a second. Let me take a look. So yes, it was published in circulation and it was titled, should a reduction in all cause mortality be the goal when assessing preventative medical therapies? So this is important because when you're checking if a therapeutic works for cardiovascular disease, for example, why should you care if it, if it causes death, not causes, but like, why do why should you care if it prevents death? from also maybe infections, amputations, dental hygiene, like whatever. You know, that that just makes no sense. Sure, we know that some things globally will reduce all-cause mortality, you know, like getting healthier overall. But when you're assessing an actual therapy, like if I put a stent, let's say there's this new stent technology, we're testing these new stents, 
heart attack patients come in, we put in a new stent. I'm more concerned about, will that stent plug up? Will it lead to future heart attacks? Will it actually cause a stroke? How good is it at keeping the artery open? Rather than, you know, how likely is the stent in your heart to prevent a intestinal infection or appendicitis? Like that just makes no sense. And that's absurd that people are actually requiring this. And the thing is, the people that ask these questions are usually the nonsense other medfluencer crowds or these people that are eating a malignant diet, like the carnivore type people or the people that just want to deny science and they're like, eh, but does it reduce all-cause mortality? Like, what? You're asking me if a cardiovascular intervention might reduce the chance of you getting hit by a truck and dying? Like, what kind of nonsense is this and why are you even asking this question? Are you like that dense or dumb that you don't understand science so much so that you think this is a brilliant question that you're asking? So these people just don't understand. Um, but the the article that I just mentioned, um, this is what they said. I'm just going to read it to you because it's kind of long. Um, I'll summarize it a little bit as I'm reading it. Cardiovascular therapeutics should aim to reduce mortality, but it is not necessary to demonstrate a reduction in all-cause mortality when, when assessing them. It is, in general, misguided to attempt to demonstrate such an effect because it is too crude of a measurement either to measurement of either harm or benefit. Results are dominated by causes of death unrelated to the intervention. The signal-to-noise ratio is low. Most effective interventions in public health and preventative medicine that have together led to a substantial improvement in life expectancy would not have been introduced had policymakers required direct evidence of an impact on all-cause mortality. The other problem with this is that when you're designing a study to, to be powered for all-cause mortality, like imagine we wanted to say statins reduce all-cause mortality. Let's design a study for this. You're going to have to give people statins versus non-statins and follow them for 80 years because most people die somewhere around the age of 70 to 90. So that makes no sense. It's super expensive. Plus, you'd have to have a ton of people in the study. So that makes no sense. And a lot of times, studies are cut early because the placebo group was dying faster or having more heart attacks and strokes than the group that was receiving the intervention. So it becomes extremely expensive. Let's say it's a diet intervention. Like, hey, we're going to have you eat more fish and you guys not, and let's prove all-cause mortality. You're going to have to follow these people around for 80 years, question them every one or two weeks or every month or whatever you want to do to find out if they're really eating the fish, maybe check fish levels or something in their bloodstream or tissue biopsies. Like, it's an insane amount of work uh, to do that. So that really makes no sense. Let me continue reading uh, what the authors said because I feel like it's uh, important. Another problem with using all-cause mortality is that the impact of an intervention on all deaths will depend on the underlying risk of those diseases that it affects and is likely to be different in different populations. Many interventions have a relative impact on a disease that is similar to and independent of the underlying risk of the disease. Suppose, for instance, an intervention reduces the risk of dying from A by 30%, but increases the risk of of dying from B by 100%. Then if death from A is three to four times as common as death from B, the benefits and harms are finely balanced. But in a population where A is 40 times more common than B, the benefits greatly exceed the harms in terms of all-cause mortality. 
comparison of coronary artery bypass grafting within with medical therapy in patients with heart uh, failure provides a good example. The randomized controlled trial found that coronary artery bypass grafting has a consistent beneficial effect on cardiovascular mortality regardless of age and no effect on non-cardiovascular mortality, but it somewhat surprisingly emphasized that coronary artery bypass grafting has a more substantial benefit on all-cause mortality in younger compared to with older patients. They go on to conclude, Evidence-based medicine should not be about withholding interventions until they have been proven to reduce overall mortality. It should be analytic and intelligent, assessing the efficacy and harms of an intervention separately and then applying these to estimates to populations that might be offered the intervention, taking all the evidence into account, including an assessment of whether it provides reasonable value for the money. So I think this is a reasonable approach to this, like test the intervention for what you think it's going to help, and then assess how much it costs per life saved or per, per event prevented. You know, if, if it costs $10 billion a month for each patient to receive this one intervention, and when they're 90, it might prevent a stroke, that's nonsense. Nobody wants to do that. So I feel like that's very well balanced. It's a it's in chapter 16 of my new cholesterol book. If you go to dralo.net slash cholesterol, that's dralo.net slash cholesterol. You can sign up to know when my book is released. We are getting super, super close. We're at over 90,000 words. Let me pull it up. Actually, 94,000 words, 436 pages. And we are getting close to publication. This is just one of the um, super in, uh, important chapters and concepts that we need to learn to understand how to understand data, whether all-cause mortality is an issue or isn't an issue, and uh, those kind of topics. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, join my community, drallo.net slash community. We talk about this all day and all night. Leave some awesome, amazing reviews so we can get the word out to more people about evidence-based medicine and cardiovascular disease. And I will catch you in the next episode. Peace.